have your Bible tonight. It's Matthew, sorry, Mark chapter 5, Mark in the fifth chapter, and that we're going to pray just as we turn there tonight. Mark chapter 5, amen. Let's pray together, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word tonight. We pray for your help, for your anointing. Lord, that you would shut us in with yourself tonight. We ask for that liberating power of the Holy Spirit to move upon us tonight, Lord. Give us ears to hear. Lord, give us the ability to preach, Lord, that you would speak your word, Lord, in the hearts tonight, Lord, that you would indeed move by your Spirit. Lord, we just plead that precious blood over this congregation tonight, Lord. Lord, we ask tonight in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would meet the cry of every heart, Lord, that you indeed would move in every life, that you would save the sinner, Lord, restore the backslider, deliver the oppressed tonight, Lord, heal the sick in our midst tonight, Lord. We pray, Lord, have your way, have complete control in this meeting. We hand it over to you, Lord. We pray, oh God, tonight, let thy will be done. Let thy kingdom come tonight, Lord. Lord, anoint us, Lord. Hide us far behind the cross tonight, Lord, that we would decrease, Lord, and that you would increase and your ministry, Lord, would be real in this place tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship onto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind him, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt her in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And behold of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word which was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him save Peter. James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. 
and they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, commanded them that something should be given her to eat. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his precious word tonight. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Only. Only. What does he say? Only believe. I want to talk for a, a time about this little town that Jairus came from. Um, it was a well-known town in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in his three-year ministry. In the, it is known as the year of inauguration, the first year. Second year is known as the year of popularity. And the third year is known as the third year of opposition. And in this year of popularity, when the ministry of Christ around Judea and Galilee and these parts, there was one little town that popped up quite often. It was the town of Capernaum, or Capernaum, whatever way you want to pronounce it. It was often one of the places that Jesus would come to and minister and preach the gospel. It was a place where many of his great truths were proclaimed through the parables. This village was often a centerpiece for the ministry of Jesus Christ and the region round about. At the time of Jesus, this was a little village, a fishing village on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. had a population of about 1,500. Uh, they've done some excavation. It was inhabited right up until about 1,100 or so. But there are two. There were ruins still there of the synagogue. There's two synagogues. They were built on top of another. And the ruins are still there to this day. And we know that this man, Jairus, was a ruler in the synagogue, this was an actual place. This is an actual man. This is a real account. And this is a real uh, story of what Christ had done in this man's life. Jesus had, before this time, had come to Capernaum to minister and to preach the gospel. And I want to, if I could, just take you to some of the occasions that Christ came to Capernaum before ever Jairus came to him. I'm doing this for a reason, so if you'd follow it with me, it's important. In Matthew chapter 8, and I've tried to put this in chronological order, so in the time of which Christ came, right up until the time that Jairus came to Jesus, it's important to know this. And tonight, if, if you're here, I want, I want you to just listen for a moment. I know there'll be some people in this room tonight, and this really isn't relevant to you and, and your thought. Okay, this, real, this message has nothing to do with me. But I want you to just listen. This message is going to be something to do with you. I want you to listen very carefully. Well, I don't need to hear this. And this is not for me. But you're going to need this message soon. I want you to listen very You're going to need this message soon. You're going to need to remember this message very soon. I want you to listen carefully. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus comes to Capernaum. In verse 1, 
says, when he came down from the mountain, great multitudes, this is his year of popularity, great multitudes were following him. Behold, there was a leper came and worshipped him. He's heading towards Capernaum. He's on the outside. He's just about to come in. And as the leper came, the leper said, Lord, if thou wilt, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thy clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus said unto him, See, thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And the man went his way and done exactly as what Jesus had told him. If you flick over, and this is chronological following Mark chapter 1, there's a leper cleansed on the edge of Capernaum. Now, what I'm building with you tonight is there is no doubt that if a leper's cleansed in a town of 1,500 people, and everyone knows this leper, that they have seen a change in his life. So the word begins to spread, even though he was instructed to tell no man, the word begins to spread of the healing and the delivering power of this man called Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 21 then, it tells us there that they went into Capernaum, this town Capernaum, right up in the Sea of Galilee, a fishing village, and straightway on the Sabbath day, where did he enter into? He entered into the synagogue. Now remember, Jairus was a ruler. He was one of the rulers in the synagogue. So Jesus now is in the synagogue where Jairus was a ruler. Now you need to hear this message because you may not think you need it tonight, but you're going to need it soon. And he taught them in the synagogue, verse 22, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue, there was a man there with an unclean spirit. Here's a man with an evil spirit in his life. Now, most people believe that there are no evil spirits or demonic spirits today in Ulster. Can I tell you something? Ulster is filled with unclean demonic spirits. It is wrapped up in respectability and it is clothed in modern apparel. But there's as many demonic spirits today as there was in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Did you say amen if you believe it? If you think that there are no demons anymore, you're not living in the real world. I'll come to this in a moment. Now, in the synagogue, there's a man with an unclean spirit. You know, this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, one of, one of the key parts of the gospel is that you will cast out devils. It's not a popular part of the gospel today, but it is an essential part of the gospel. The evidence of the true gospel of Jesus Christ is that you will cast out devils. That was a major part of the ministry of Jesus and also of the disciples. It's the power of God that we need today, friends, because there are literally thousands of people across this land that are completely demon-possessed tonight. Let's go on. Now, there's a, there's a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. When Jesus comes in, he cries out saying, Let us alone. 
What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Praise the Lord. He sets the captive free. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits? And they do obey him. And immediately, verse 28, it says, His fame spread abroad throughout all the region and round about Galilee. The, the popularity of Christ was beginning to explode right around that region. This is Capernaum. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. We see that man had a friend who was sick. And says there, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days. It was noised abroad. Jesus is in the house straightway. Many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, who was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, Thy sins are forgiven. In verse 12 it says, Immediately arose, he took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and they glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. This is Capernaum. Do you think in a village of 1,500 people, let, let's just look, here's a leper who's been wonderfully cleansed as Jesus enters Capernaum. Here's a man who's sick. And his friends bring him when it's noised abroad that he's in the house. Here's a man that's brought in a bed. The only way they're going to get him in is to take the roof off the house and lower him down. The next minute the same man is walking down the street with his bed on his shoulder. Do you think that the town knows that Jesus is there? He's been in the synagogue where Jairus is a leader. There's a man with an unclean spirit. I'm going to tell you, friends, if you've never heard it, but when a spirit comes out of a man or a woman, an unclean spirit, a demonic spirit, it comes out with a roar. The power of God over all the demonic and every evil spirit there is. But when God, the great deliverer, Jesus, steps into a life, every demon spirit must go. You don't have to roll around the floor and rip them apart. But at the word of Jesus, every demon must go. And now the word's beginning to spread that there's a man called Jesus in Capernaum. It's noised abroad that Jesus is in the house. Tells us in Matthew chapter 8, if you go back, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. Now there's a, a Roman centurion. Jesus again was entered into Capernaum. There came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant is at home. He's sick of the palsy. He's grievously tormented. Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, listen to this. Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word, and my servant shall be healed. And this man seen something and understood something about the authority of Christ. He says, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not even in Israel. 
This man grasped something of the authority and the power and the spoken word of Jesus Christ. Just say the word. Jesus said unto the centurion in verse 13, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed the very same hour when he got home, the servant's well. He understood something about the power and the authority and the Word of God. One of the disciples' mother, of course, mother-in-law, should I say, lived in Capernaum. Peter, the great apostle Peter, his mother-in-law lived in Capernaum in Matthew 8, verse 14. This is this little town, Capernaum. It says, and I love, I love these next few verses. There's something about them that you could just ponder for a time. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, Jesus was come to, unto Peter's house and he saw his wife's mother led and sick of a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. She arose and ministered unto them and listened to these words. And It was evening time in Capernaum, verse 16. And they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word. And what does it say? He healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. In verse 31, Mark 1:31, just touching on that story, I love the way Mark brings it out. He says, And he came and he took her by the hand, he lifted her up, immediately the fever left her. And she ministered unto them. And it says, And at the even when the sun began to go down, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door of the house. There wasn't one that left that house or left that meeting tonight that wasn't set free by the power of Almighty God. And Luke 4, it just tells us these words in 31. And it came to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. His word was with power. This is before the crisis in the house of Jairus. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. And I know I'm speaking for the Lord tonight. You may not think that this message has anything to do with you. But this message is going to be something to do with you very soon. There's a religious leader in the town, a ruler of the synagogue. His name's Jairus. All these accounts of Jesus in the synagogue, his ministry in the city... And in this region would be well known as such a leader. Jesus had just returned from the country of the Gadarenes. I believe John Weir was speaking on Legion last Sunday night. Well, when Jesus headed out, you remember what happened. There's a great storm in the middle of the sea. Jesus arose and he rebuked those waves and those winds. And there's a great calm. He goes over to the other side. Remember the man living in the tombs. There's no hope for him. There's no answer for him. No one could tame him. They tried to tie him up. There was no hope for him. But when he met Jesus, thank God tonight Jesus sets the prisoner free. 
He's finished in this ministry in the land of the Gadarenes with a man clothed and in his right mind. He's sound in mind. He's clothed. He's washed. He's born again of the Spirit of the living God. That's what Christ can do in a life. Jesus makes his way back across the Sea of Galilee and he's coming into that region of Galilee. And now there's a man and a crisis has come to his life. I want you to hear me tonight. Don't switch off. Don't switch off, friend, because you're going to need this message soon. There's a crisis comes. See, Jairus had heard it all. Jairus was a religious man. He understood. He heard the testimonies. He heard about the deliverance. No doubt he heard about the leper. He knew about the man that came to the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And Jesus set him free. He hears about the centurion. He hears about the great revival in Peter's mother-in-law's house. He sees all the crowds coming. The demon possessed, the healed, those that are sick, those that are deceased. And they're all delivered by the power of God. And Jairus knows all about it. But friends, you see, just like this morning in this house, and it just struck me as this message was being prepared, a crisis changes things. A crisis changes things. You see, we can be smart. We can outsmart everyone around us. We can be so clever. And everything's tickety-boo and everything's going along nicely. And everything's in control. And we're outmaneuvering everybody. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's a crisis coming. I want you to hear me tonight. You may not think this is for you, but you're going to need this soon. You see, Jairus has a wee daughter. And he loves that wee girl. Don't we love her kids? And he loved that wee girl, that wee 12-year-old girl. He was besotted by her. But you see, a crisis was coming. Up until this point, there's no evidence that Jairus had ever turned to Jesus for anything. I don't need this Jesus. I've got my religion. I've got my respectability. I'm a man of the cloth. I go to the synagogue. That's grind for you, but it's not for me. But friends, a crisis changes things. A crisis changes things. There's a man was in this place at the end of the service this morning. And friends, a crisis has changed something. He's been given three years to live at the most. And now he finds himself in a very dark place. But he's come through those doors and he's saying, Could Jesus save me? But friends, up and down the street every other day, the odd time he might stop, the odd time he might talk. But friends, a crisis is coming. You see, we can be so smart. We think we can outmaneuver God. We can, you know, we're, we're so clever. But I tell you, friends, I want to tell you something. There's a crisis coming. There's a crisis coming. Jairus had a crisis. But thank God that Jairus in the crisis knew who to turn to. Here we see a man. A man in the midst of a turmoil. A man not knowing what to do. A man whose little girl now has fallen sick. A man that needs to get to Jesus. A man that needs to forget about his respectability, his standing in the community, all his religious works, all his synagogue going. He needs to dump it all, friends, because he's got to get the one who's got the answer. And now he comes in the midst of all of this. He's a man in great need. 
He's certainly heard about Jesus. He's seen the evidence of the ministry and many lives that have been changed in his own town. But like so many today, they have seen it, they have heard it, but it's not until the crisis comes that they're going to move. And friends, I want to tell you tonight, there's a crisis coming. You hear me tonight, there's a crisis coming. Just a religious profession is going to do nothing for you, friends. You've got to have an intimate walk and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you tonight, if you come into this room and you're in a crisis, and you're facing a crisis, but Jairus knew where to turn to. Not until a man or a woman comes to Jesus with all of their heart and falls at his feet and begins to seek his face will they truly know what it is to have a personal, intimate relationship with the great deliverer, Jesus Christ. What a place to be. There's a man that comes and it tells us simply, Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. I can see the prostitutes. I can see the beggars. I can see the disabled. I can see the demon-possessed looking around. And here's this man in his fine clothes pressing through the crowd. I need to get to Jesus because the crisis has come. Oh, friends, you see, it's all smooth sailing. There's no crisis. We're well. We've got money in the bank. We've got everything as we wanted. All the ducks are in a row. But I want to tell you, friends, God can pull that wee rug from under your feet in a night. We think we're smart. But, friends, I'm going to tell you something. You can get on a boat and you can begin to sail to the other side of this world just like Jonah and you're fast asleep. But God can put a storm in the middle of that sea and God can put a storm in the middle of your life. He's got to get through the crowd. He's got to get to Jesus because there's a crisis in the house. His little girl's sick. I'm going to tell you, friend, as a father, when they're sick, when they're sick, when they're gravely ill, aren't you moved? Aren't you moved? How much more our Heavenly Father? What a place to be. I want you to note, when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus, do you know what it says? This religious, respectable leader in the synagogue, he fell at his feet. He fell at his feet. Not until a man is willing or a woman to get down at the feet of Jesus, to cry with all of their heart at the feet of Christ, not until that, friends, will you experience the great delivering power of Almighty God. What a place to be. I want you to listen tonight. A place of humility. A place of intimacy. A place prostrate before the Lord is the greatest place a man or a woman can be. Look at the multitude in Matthew 15 that found healing 
at the feet of Christ. In verse 29, it says, Jesus departed thence, came nigh to the Sea of Galilee, went up into the mountain, sat down there. Great multitudes came unto him, having with them that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, many others. And what did they do with them all? They cast them all at the feet of Jesus. And know what it says? He healed them. There's healing at his feet. Look at the possessed of unclean spirits in Mark 7 and verse 25. A certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, listen to this woman's words. She was a Greek. She had no right to be there. And he says, That bread is for the, the children of Israel. And she said, But Lord, even a crumb from your table is going to be enough for me even a crumb from the master's table. And her daughter was wonderfully delivered by the almighty power of God, but she was at his feet. Look at Mary when they came, when Lazarus was dead. It says in John eleven thirty two, 32, when she saw him, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother hadn't, wouldn't have died. But friends, she was about to experience the resurrection power of almighty God. At the feet of Christ, Fear is driven away. As the women fell at the resurrected Christ in Matthew 28, he said unto them, Be not afraid. I'm alive. Sinners are cleansed. Where are they cleansed? They're cleansed at the feet of Christ. A prostitute. Thank God he saves prostitutes. Thank God he saves drug addicts. Thank God he saves religious people. But here's a woman in Luke chapter 7 with all the religious people looking down. They all know her story. They all know everything about her. Oh, your woman? She's been with everyone in the town. Sure, we know all about her. And there she is, where? At the feet of Jesus, weeping and wiping wiping his feet. And he says, daughter, your sins are forgiven. And the religious couldn't get it. I'm going to tell you, friends, the greatest place that you can be tonight is at the feet of Jesus. Right down at his feet. The place at the feet of Christ is open to everyone in this room. You might say, well, where is it, Tim? I'll tell you where it is. It's when we get on our knees and when we cry out to God for mercy. Humility is the key. Pride's going to take you to hell. You see, when we truly are in a crisis, I don't really care what people think to you. When you're truly in a crisis, do you think about what Jones is saying or Smith is saying? See, when you're in a crisis, you've got to get to Jesus. Too many people sit in church thinking, what's she going to say? What's he going to say? What are they going to say? I'm going to tell your friends, I don't care what anyone says. You see, we're desperate to see a move of the Spirit of God. Could I say to the church tonight, church, I've found a place that I know I need to be. And that place is at the feet of the Master. I want to be a place. I want to be on the platform. I want to do this. I want to. I tell you, friends, the greatest place we can be is at the feet of Jesus. Here at that place, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 1, I tell you why it's important to be there. Ephesians 1 and 20. It says, When Jesus rose up from the dead... He set him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And verse 22, you know what it says? 
and has put all things where all things under his feet. I want to be at his feet. Because see every circumstance that I face, see every trouble that comes into my life. Do you know where you need to be? At the feet of Jesus, because they're all under his feet. Here's a place of deep worship. He says, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, lay your hands on her, that she might be healed and that she live. Jesus went with him, and much people followed and thronged him. Here's the little girl, gravely ill, even at the point of death. Jairus is in a hurry. Could I tell you something? But Jesus wasn't. I want you to hear me tonight. Jairus was in, aren't we often in a hurry? Are we often trying to get God to do it? Are we often trying to persuade him to break through? Do it now. Is it just me, by the way? You're all looking very religious tonight. Are you often trying to persuade God to do it? Lord, you need to come. You need to break through. If it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. But Jesus is never in a hurry. I tell you why we need to wait. Listen, I tell you why we need to wait. If we don't wait, we're going to miss the miracle. If we don't wait, we'll miss the miracle. Can you imagine if Jairus had got his arm around Jesus and began to usher him too fast down the road, but Jesus knew there was a woman coming out that needed a miracle? Well, Lord, you have to come quick because she's at the point of death. Yes, but Jesus still had time to stop for an outcast. I'm going to tell you, friends, tonight, Jesus wants to stop for an outcast in this place. He wants to touch a life. That life's never going to be the same again. He's in no hurry. He's the eternal God. He's the almighty God. He's in control of everything. He's not being persuaded by the big hand and the wee hand on our clocks, friends. He's almighty God. If we rush him or try to rush him, we might miss the miracle. We know the story of the woman that presses through, touched the hem of his garment. The virtue and the power of God surges out of this man, Jesus, right through that frail, weak body. Suddenly she feels the power of Christ in her. She rises up. She's made whole in an instant as the virtuous power of Jesus flows right through her. She's absolutely healed and she's absolutely delivered in an instant. And Jesus knows someone's touched me. That faith through that crowd. Now as they're looking at this miracle, the word comes. And I'm going to tell you, friends, I've said a few things before. I'm going to say it again. If I had a pound for every time that someone said something like this to me, I'm just too much trouble. Jesus can't do anything with me. I'm just a bag of trouble walking the Lord. And the word comes, don't trouble Jesus anymore. Don't trouble him anymore, Sandra. It's too late. Your daughter is dead. And when Jesus heard those words, Jesus turned to Jairus and says, Be not afraid, only believe. I want to tell you, friend, we have put more death over each other by the words we have spoken in the circumstances and situations and we've spoke more death over ourselves 
Don't worry about blaming the devil. We talk the biggest load of unbelief over ourselves. Jesus said, Be not afraid, only believe. And as they begin to head towards that house, where they've already got all the professional wheelers there, they're all there, everyone's weeping, it's over, it's finished, it's done, it's impossible. I tell you, with professional wheelers in the church today, not when someone dies in the real sense, but with people crying and you think God's dead, I want to tell you God's alive. So he goes to the house. And he says, she's not dead. And then you've got the mockers and the scoffers. We're going to have them right up to the Lord comes. They're going to scoff and they're going to mock. I'm going to tell you something, friends. The Lord sits in the heavens and he laughs. He laughs. You can mock and you can scorn. But one day they'll be weeping and they'll be gnashing of teeth, friend. You see, everything's fine, Tim. Everything's fine. I want to tell you, friend, I want you to listen to me. There's a crisis coming. I don't know what that crisis, but there's a crisis coming. I want to tell you, friends, I feel the Spirit of God all over me to say this tonight. There's a crisis coming. I don't know who this is for. I have no idea, but there's a crisis coming. You hear me tonight? There's a crisis coming. If ever I've known, I'm speaking for God tonight. There's a crisis coming, my God. There's a crisis coming. I don't want to hear this, Tim. I've heard all this before. I don't need to get right with God. I want to tell you there's a crisis coming to your life. You're going to need this message. And I'm going to tell you there's a Savior. He's going to be waiting for you to press through that crowd and cry out, Lord, help me. You don't think the Lord can send a crisis to your life? Emma, can the Lord send a crisis to your life? Can the Lord stir your nest? You hear me tonight, friend? There's a crisis coming. A religious experience isn't going to be enough. Talking about what happened 40 years ago isn't going to be enough. What it used to be isn't going to be enough. All our good works and all our good living, all our smart talk, Friends, sadly, the church is filled with it. Isn't going to cut it. There's a crisis coming. When that crisis comes, when it comes, who are you going to turn to? Some would say, and it's often been said, Tim, my life's just a mess. It's over. There's no hope. I'm just trouble. I just fall into trouble after trouble after trouble. People would tell you, don't trouble Jesus anymore. You've tried that before. I want to tell you something. It's time to really get at the feet of Christ. The feet of Christ. That's when you get on your knees. And when you seek him with all of your heart, he says that you'll be found of him. People will mock. People will laugh. This is what Jesus said. 
Don't be afraid. Just believe. As he went into that room, and that little damsel was lying on that bed, took her by the hand, and he said, I say unto thee, arise. Straightway the damsel arose and walked, and she was of the age of twelve, and they were astonished with great astonishment. I want to tell you, friend, you can leave this place tonight changed by the resurrection and the power of a living Christ in your life. If you get to the place that's at his feet, where is it? It's on your knees when you cry out to God. Don't be afraid. Fear is a terrible thing. It's a tool that's used by the enemy to disable people from entering into the fullness of what Christ has for them. Fear is from the pit. Are you hearing me tonight? Fear is from the pit. And it comes in many shapes and forms, but fear is from the enemy. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. You're in a crisis tonight. You're in this room. Healing, I feel so pressed in my spirit in this room tonight. I don't want to close a meeting because I believe something's imminent. But I feel pressed to say, my God, tonight, friend, this is a night to get right with God. This is a night to get on our knees and cry out for mercy. This is a night to stop playing religious games. This is a night to get real with God. This is a night that Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. Let's pray together.